Listen. Those are the drums of liberty. Have faith, folks. The cavalry is coming. Why should you have faith? Where are these seeds of liberty being planted? Stay tuned for the Liberty Minute. Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, folks. I am David, and welcome back to the Liberty Minute. Yes, folks, the seeds are being planted now, so you can increase your faith that America will come back. And America will be flourishing again. Today we have a special show for you. It's going to be unique because at the last minute we had to scramble because of some very big and breaking news last night that only us, you know, only nerds like me really care about, but it was well worth sharing with you, the listener. And because you guys love books and you love ideas, in fact, you love the very best and the great ideas, especially those great ideas that actually work, those ideas that have helped Western civilization and made it far better for most people while achieving greater prosperity for all peoples around the world. So what am I talking about? Well, let me share this special news with you. Finally, Hillsdale College has created and will be releasing on August 23rd a free digital course, which everyone can sign up for, and the topic will be supply-side economics, and it will be taught by none other than Art Laffer himself. And that's not all. In addition, they are bringing in the other Big economic guns, too. Folks like Larry Kudlow, chief economic advisor uh, for the Trump administration, as well as uh, helped in the uh, Reagan Treasury back in the early 80s and the, the 82 tax cuts. Steve Forbes is going to be featured, someone I was proud to work with and for on his presidential campaign in 2000 in the state of Ohio here. And other big guns like Amity Shales, Stephen Moore, Brian Dimitrovic, and obviously Dr. Larry R. and the president of Hillsdale College. And the reason this is so special is because nowhere has any university put down the teachings in whole cloth of supply-side economics. And Hillsdale College is finally doing it. Now, we covered this topic in Liberty Minute number two. And so we know supply-side economics works. It works extremely well. It is the most effective form of free market capitalism ever tried. And guess what? For those folks that say it doesn't work, that's garbage. We've been living with their Keynesian economic models, which are all rubbish. And we're going to prove that in later books, especially around FDR's New Deal, which was actually a raw deal. And we have the data. 
So why does supply-side economics work? Well, we know from the 1920s under Presidents Harding and Coolidge, Amity Shales, she teaches us about that over two books. And then we fast forward to President Kennedy in the 1960s who looked back at Coolidge, even though he was a Republican and Kennedy was a Democrat. Kennedy wanted to see what actually worked, what actually grew the economy. And then Kennedy implemented the 1962 tax cuts, and he kept the dollar strong. We covered this in Larry Kudlow's book, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, like I said back in Liberty Minute number two. And then fast forward to the 1980s, and Reagan happened to read a book titled The Way the World Works by Jude Wininsky and started getting very interested in supply-side economics because he knew he had to get the country out of the malaise of the 1970s, from Nixon to Ford to Carter, just all terrible economic policies. And he started to get briefed by a guy named Art Laffer and others, especially Robert Bartley and a whole crew from the Wall Street Journal. And so this course is just going to be fantastic. Now, Hillsdale, frankly, they have been putting out some just great stuff. But this, this is really top of the mountain stuff now. They're nailing it, and I'm super excited. Now, I'm going to include the two-and-a-half-minute trailer that they just released last night in the show notes. So you can all check it out. And if you can't tell, I'm extremely elated. And finally, we're getting folks to get to the heart of the matter and find out how to get this country moving again. And that's supply-side economics. And it just warms my heart. Overwhelmingly warms my heart. So um, I'm very excited. And again, this comes out August 23rd. Mark your calendars and join me because I'm going to be there taking notes and learning from the economic greats of our generation. And so I know that was a long riff, but I wanted to share that special breaking news with you. And especially just after releasing Liberty Minute number two, which we dove deep in on that JFK and Reagan connection. So moving on to our next topic is a new author to the Liberty Movement. Well, before I do that, let me let me share with you, we just released our top 12 book recommendations to live a flourishing life. Uh, it's a free download. Just click on the link in the show notes and we'll deliver it over to you via email. Plus, you're going to get two bonus book recommendations. We call this list the Fundamentals in Flourishing. It's our best attempt to drill down to those top 12 plus two bonus books. Um, our best book recommendations. You guys have been asking for it, so we put it together. It's free. So be sure to download that free list today. And getting on to our next topic, like I said, it's a new author to the Liberty Movement, but he is fascinating. And let's begin with a story from our book of the day, and then we'll dive into the details. Quote, June 2006, Gambia, Africa. At 4 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon, I was startled when the lights came on. The lights never came on after 2 p.m. on the weekends. 
the adrenaline really kicked in when I was invited to observe an emergency cesarean section, a first one for me. When the infant emerged, I felt my heart racing from excitement and awe. But no matter how many times the technician suctioned out the nose and the mouth, the infant did not utter a sound. After 25 minutes, the technician and nurse both gave up. The surgeon later explained that the baby had suffocated in utero. If only they had enough power to use the ultrasound machine for, for each pregnancy, he would have detected the problem earlier and been able to plan the C-section. Without early detection, the C-section became an emergency. Moreover, the surgery had to wait for the generator to be powered on. The loss of precious minutes meant the loss of a precious life. At the time, in that place, all I could do was cry. And later, when the maternity ward too was hushed, I cried again. A full-term infant was born weighing only 3.5 pounds. In the U.S., the solution would have been obvious and effective incubation. Without reliable electricity, the hospital did not even contemplate owning an incubator. This seemingly simple solution was not available to this newborn girl, and she perished needlessly. Reliable electricity is at the forefront of every staff member's thoughts. With it, they can conduct tests with electrically powered medical equipment, use vaccines, antibiotics, requiring refrigeration, and plan surgeries to meet patients' needs. Without it, they will continue to give their patients the best care available. But in a country with an average life expectancy of only 54 years of age, it's a hard fight to win. End of quote. And that is a heartbreaking story that comes to us, like I said, from a new author to the Liberty Movement. And he, his book is our book of the day. Its title is Fossil Future, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Coal, More Oil, and Natural Gas, Not Less. And the author is Alex Epstein. And to start this whole conversation, we have to understand and get beyond the repeated and overwhelming narrative made by every climate expert that fossil, fossil fuels are killing the planet. They're not. That repeated diet of antidotes, and like I said, narratives doesn't shed any amount of light on the actual science. And this is why this book intrigued me so much. And furthermore, it intrigued me because Alex Epstein is not a climate scientist. He's a guy who kept hearing the climate alarmism rhetoric. And as a philosopher and a computer scientist, he thought he would look into it. And this was way back in 2012 and 13. Epstein is one of those rare folks who can employ the critical thinking skills that we all need and need to execute on. And he has the ability to research these items quite deeply and then articulate them quite easily for the rest of us. 
He is extremely readable. And so much so that uh, other fo- here's what other folks think of Epstein's writing. This is Dennis Prager, the founder of PragerU, best-selling author and nationally syndicated talk show host. He says about this book, quote, fossil fuel is not our enemy. It's our friend. Alex, Alex Epstein is an original and courageous thinker who explains this better than anyone. If you want to think clearly and morally about fossil fuels, and you must, you need to read this superb book. And then Michael Schellenberger, the author of Apocalypse Never and San Francisco, both books I have to dig into. I've heard great reviews from my friends about these two books, especially San Francisco. What a great name for a book. What a great name because it's completely true and accurate of what is described as a once great city, San Francisco, which is now in shambles and they can't get out of their own way. Here's what Schellenberger says of Epstein's book, quote, few make a stronger moral case for the transition from energy poverty to energy wealth than Alex Epstein. In Fossil Future, Epstein shows we should be skeptical of utopian claims of transitioning away from fossil fuels anytime soon, not least because such claims rest on anti-humanism, critical point not to mention a denial of the physics of energy density. Another critical point. Fossil future is a must read for anybody trying to understand the current and coming energy landscape. End of quote. And then finally, my favorite congressman, the great Chip Roy from Texas. Well, Chip's my, uh, I guess he's my second favorite congressman. I'm a huge fan of Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. He's my he's my favorite. But Chip Chip's a very close second. Here's what Chip Roy says about the book. Quote, in this book, Alex Epstein champions a humani- humanity-centric alternative to the anti-fossil fuel climate hysteria that is disturbingly pervasive among today's elites. Policymakers across the political spectrum should heed Epstein's arguments and abandon the disastrous path we are on before it's too late. End of quote. Amen. Now, this is a perfect time to say, if you want to get down in the weeds of Alex rebutting these radical green socialist, I would actually start with Alex's 2014 book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. It's shorter. It's just six hours on audio. It's a great book. Uh, Alex really dials into the arguments against the green radical socialist. He provides clear and valuable critical thinking against these clearly negative policies. It's so disheartening. So I'm going to touch on the main conclusions of that book right now because Alex writes, he writes a great vindication of his earlier book from 2014 in his latest book, Fossil Future, which we are covering today and which just came out. So let's go to our book for this vindication. Quote, and if we look at the big picture facts about fossil fuels, alternatives, human flourishing and climate, the moral case for fossil fuels 
his first book, has thus far been completely vindicated. Fact number one, fossil fuels are still the dominant source of energy around the world, providing four times more energy than all alternatives combined. And fossil fuels use is still growing. Renewable solar and wind are just 3% of the world's energy, a 3% that is dependent on mandates, subsidies, and reliable fossil fuel power plants, a 3% that is leading to increasing cost and major reliability problems everywhere solar wind, solar and wind are used in non-trivial quantities. Fact number two. The world has continued to become a better place to live, especially for the poorest people and low and low cost, reliable energy from fossil fuels is the fundamental cause. Let me repeat that. The world has continued to become a better place to live, especially for the poorest people and low cost, reliable energy from fossil fuels is the fundamental cause. Among many other benefits, fossil fuels have powered the increased industrialization that has brought down the rate of extreme poverty, the percentage of people living on less than $2 a day from 42% in 1980 to less than 10% today. Again, from 42% in 1980 to less than 10% a day. Just incredible. Fact number three, while fossil fuels have contributed to a warming global climate system, that warming amounts to one degree Celsius over the last 170 years, and climate-related disaster deaths continue to fall to all-time lows thanks in part to fossil-fueled climate mastery. From fossil-fueled irrigation to fossil-fueled heating and cooling to fossil-fueled construction of sturdy buildings to fossil fuel early warning systems. Over the last century, the rate of climate-related disaster deaths have fallen by 98%. While you may be heartened, as I have been, by the vindication of the moral case for fossil fuels, his first book, so far you may still wonder if going forward the facts on the ground might change drastically as more and more money and talent go into renewables and the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere rises. I too have wondered this, and over the last seven years I have become particularly interested in understanding and evaluating the long-term future of fossil fuels, end of quote. And this is the reason for his writing his latest book. And again, you can check out Alex's 2014 book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. It's going to be in the show notes. And now I want to shift a little because Alex, like I said in his latest book, he opens with an interesting section all about experts. (laughs) And this paragraph captured me because it's probably the most humble paragraph I have read from a book in a long time. Listen intently to what Alex writes, quote, when we hear that a person is totally contradicting what we're told the experts think, it's easy to assume that person will be dismissive of expertise. So let me be clear from the outset. That's not me. 
I absolutely recognize that in a modern specialized society, we need to rely on experts, specialists, to help us evaluate what to do about critical issues in their area of expertise, from how to fix a leak in our homes, to how to treat COVID-19, to what diet to adopt, to do to what to do about fossil fuels. But I also recognize that what we're told the experts think can be very, very wrong. As a philosopher who has studied the history of ideas extensively, I have long been haunted by the fact that some of the worst ideas in history, such as slavery, racism, and eugenics, were successfully spread as the consensus of the, quote, the experts, end of quote. This fact has motivated me to think extensively about the questions. How do I rely on experts responsibly? How do I gain the, criti- the crucial benefit of acting on expert knowledge while avoiding becoming one of the many people throughout history who support something very wrong because they were told the experts endorsed it? And you might think that answering these questions is impossible because we would need to know as outsiders to fields such as nutrition and virology and climate science and energy when experts who have been researching those fields for decades are making mistakes in their research. And here's the crucial point I wanted to bring home to everybody. Listen to this. He goes on. Happily, this turns out not to be the case because most of the time what we're told the experts think turns out to be very wrong. It's not because most of the actual expert researchers in a field are very wrong about their field. It's because the system we rely on to tell us what the experts think is significantly distorting what actual experts think. And if we know how this distortion works, we can often spot it at work and protect ourselves against it. And then he finalizes it with this. Whenever we hear about what the experts think, we need to keep in mind that most of us have no direct access to what most expert researchers in a field think. We are being, quote, told what experts think through a system of institutions and people that perform four crucial functions. Number one, engage in expert research around the world. Number two, synthesize the essentials from expert research. Number three, disseminate essential expert knowledge to the rest of us. And number four, help us evaluate what actions to take on the basis of expert knowledge. Understanding how this system, which I call our knowledge system works and how it can go wrong is the key to being able to spot what we're being told the experts think is very wrong about fossil fuels or anything else. End of quote. Hubba, hubba, is that not good stuff? Are those not, in fact, incredible nuggets of wisdom? And he nails it. It's the system. We've all known it is wrong to most of us, but we were never able to go down to the root and branch to understand it. Alex does, and that's what's so brilliant about this book. No matter the field, from COVID to to defund the police to economies, what to do, experts tell us. 
So we're going to have to cover this book in two parts. But before we do, how about this latest example? How about the country of Sri Lanka? Have you seen this? Sri Lanka adopted radical environmental policies. Sri Lanka used to have the standard of living twice that of India, its close neighbor. And so it adopted this, these radical environmental policies. They banned chemical fertilizers from being imported. And from a report from the BBC, it said the government told farmers to use locally sourced organic fertilizers instead of the highly effective stuff that we all know works. So, you know, these experts, they know things. Yeah. And what was the result of this expert knowledge? Well, it led to widespread crop failure. And now Sri Lanka had to supplement its food stocks from from abroad with, which made its uh, foreign currency shortage even worse. And then back to this BBC report, now people are struggling with daily power cuts and shortages of essentials like fuel, food, and medicine. Oh, and here's a nice little stat. Their inflation is running at more than 50%. So a modern country, for the most part, is relying on these, quote, green experts who can't produce crops because of the fertilizers these experts recommended to them. So then they can't gain money to allow them to buy the basic essentials for its citizens needs to be met. And now Sri Lankans, they have stormed the presidential palace. They ran off one president. They're threatening to run off another president. So next week we're, we're going to come back to this book for the second part because it's important. We're going to revisit this expert business and then the most important part of fossil fuels and their vital link to human flourishing. But before we go, just two more important facts that Alex brings up to prepare you for next week. Going back to the book. Since 1980, the percentage of humanity living on less than $2 a day has gone from 42% to under 10%. This wonder Wondrous development is the result of increasing and expanding productivity, which is driven by the increasing and expanding use of fossil-fueled machine labor and the enormous amounts of mental labor it frees up. But there's still far more progress to be had. Not only are there the 10% of people who still struggle and die early on less than $2 a day, but the overwhelming majority of humanity still lives at a level that most readers of this book would consider desperate poverty. For example, 5 billion people still live on less than $10 a day. Expanding fossil fuel use will enable everyone, especially the world's poorest people, to become more productive and prosperous. At the same time, continuing advances in pollution control technology will make it possible for poorer people to use fossil fuels to lift themselves out of poverty with less and less pollution. And all of this means more first light bulbs, more first refrigerators, more first rewarding jobs, 
more first years with consistently full stomachs. More first years of drinking consistently clean water. And more first years being comfortable no matter what the weather. Man, who can be against any of that? And this fact ties directly into our our Liberty Minute number two. Because we need to get the American growth rate up and the fact that Hillsdale is delivering to the world a free course on supply-side economics is just fantastic. Because fossil fuels and supply-side economics are intertwined. Especially after 20 years of being stagnant. And Alex's wonderful book makes this very point. Makes the very point of why fossil fuels is woven into getting our country moving again. And by getting our country moving again, we get the world moving again. And that's helping out poorer people around the world. We are the most generous country in the world. And let's go back to the book for just one last quote. Quote, here's a statistic that drives this home. If the United States's economic growth rate, its rate of productive progress had been just 1% lower than it actually was each year starting in 1870, our standard of living today would be lower than Mexico's. Expanding fossil fuel use will drive a faster, virtuous cycle of empowerment around the world. In the most productive parts of the empowered world, this will mean, among many other values, enormous amounts of time and machine labor spent on medical innovation that can continue increasing our odds of living to an old age and feeling better in that old age and a faster virtue virtuous cycle circle rather a faster virtuous cycle of empowerment will also mean faster improvements in climate mastery enabling us to deal with dangerous temperatures droughts wildfires storms and floods even more effectively end of quote oh this is so good so folks I know I went very long today, but it is my belief that we had to talk about the great stuff coming out of Hillsdale, and we had to talk about Alex's great book, which we're going to cover again next week more in depth. So have faith in America. The seeds are being planted for liberty. The drums of liberty can be heard, and an overwhelming majority of the American people know a flourishing idea when they hear one, and liberty is on the march. First Timothy six twelve. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com where we have everything we discussed in this podcast as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. 
The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book, packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually 69 pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.